So we are on the final, not the final week, but the final uh, verses of the book of James. We've been in James three months or more, and those of you who perhaps this is your first time to be here uh, since this uh, sermon series, I start each one with a, a tool that someone from the congregation has uh, given me or loaned to me. And then I have tried to make that into a sermon uh, illustration to open the text. Fernando, the, the one I use today is from Fernando Martinez, which uh, he sent me a picture of it and the description and the information about it yesterday afternoon. Can you work this into tomorrow's sermon? Either he knows I'm a late, <clears throat> or I'm known as a procrastinator, or he just thinks I'm, you know, not what are gifted, and I'm not. But it was such a wonderful um, tribute to Father's Day because this is his father's tool who he purchased from John Haifumi uh, back in the 60s. And it is a, well, anybody got an idea? Very good. You've been around airplanes, I bet, or something like that, maybe, or cars. In fact, I think I have a picture of the vintage of this one. See the curled handle? Same exact tool. This one is at least, what do we say, Fernando, 80 years old? Uh, as rich as the tool's history, um, John, I have to always look at Haifumi. I'm sure I'm blowing his name. Uh, John was imprisoned by his own country in an internment camp during World War II because of his Japanese heritage. But uh, he would be the one who would give Fernando's dad a start in the body shop business, teach him, as, as Fernando just told me today, uh, how to save money, you know, how to open a bank account, because if that wasn't, if your parents had not done that for you, you wouldn't know. And some of us still don't know much about bank accounts, but he was able to do that and save money and, and eventually migrate from Los Angeles to San Antonio and uh, start a business here. So uh, thank you uh, for lending this on this Father's Day. But, uh, and this one has a uh, more of a tool for chiseling right now. You can change the bits on them. And on a riveter, it would, it would actually have, uh, depends on the size of the rivet, it would have a um, concave surface that when the rivet is placed in it and the two pieces of metal are joined together and with some kind of budding material behind it, it eventually keeps going pound, 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 over and over and over and over until the rivet and the metal are conformed and joined together. And in James today, he keeps telling us that we as a community can be joined as and known as followers of our faith by letting our yes be yes and our no be no. In other words, keep saying yes, keep saying yes, keep saying yes, just like that rivet gun. Keep going over and over and over, letting your no be no and your no be no and your yes be yes and your yes be yes without having to take oaths. In other words, he's basically telling us that with radical truthfulness over and over, yes being yes, no being no, we do not need oaths. So today we declare that a faith that works speaks truth. A faith that works speaks truth. 
All along throughout this series, I've said that James is that book that tests the validity of our faith. Because a living faith is a working faith. So your test for day, today is, is your yes, yes? Or is your yes more like a maybe? Or is your no a no? Or is it more like a maybe? In other words, are you truthful? Do your words convey the truth? Jesus and James had witnessed the distortion of Old Testament teachings about oaths. So what I'd like for us today to do, I've told you throughout James, you know, those of you backing up again, James is the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, and much of this book is uh, him restating some of the things that he undoubtedly heard his brother say. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the Sermon on the Mount, where we'll see Jesus saying the very same words, or at least expanding on the words that, that James uh, brings a little smaller version of. So Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. And if you know the context of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will say a teaching and then give a deeper challenge. You know, he'll say, thou shall not murder. But I tell you, if you call your, your friend or whatever a fool, you have committed murder. And here he's saying, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Now, we're not talking about profanity, using bad words, although there's a variation of that in our own use of that word. But do not swear, as in, I swear to God I'm going to do this. How many of you ever have said that in your life or heard it said to you? Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black, or you can't keep them in my case. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So bear that in mind. Now let's look at the verse we have for today, James, the fifth chapter, verse 12. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, as we ask your blessings on this word, this spoken word today, once again, how many times we have said we were, for, we were doing something or going to do something or we promised something and our yes became a maybe or not even it happened at all. Challenge us to think about the things that we say and how we are to be truthful because of who we follow and what we believe. Help us this day to make our yes, yes, and our no, no. Help us to think about when we said, yes, I'll follow Jesus. But every sign since then has sounded like no, no. Let us say yes to you. Let our hearts be changed. Let all that we do be for you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said earlier, Jesus and James had both um, witnessed in their lifetime, just as we are in our lifetime, the distortion of oaths. Moses, in Deuteronomy, Moses' teaching talks about taking an oath and, and actually swearing by God. In other words, God, by the, the faith you have in God, you will do this. 
In Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 15, he talks about it as well. So they've had these type of um, instructions on how to make oaths or how to swear based on God's name. But by the time Jesus and James come along, the people have distorted it terribly. In fact, if you're familiar at all with the Mishnah, it is a collection of rabbinic writings that somewhere between the end of the prophets and Jesus Jesus is uh, appearing. It is, it is rabbinic teachings. It has one entire section on oaths. And basically loopholes how to get out of your promises. In fact, you knew you weren't, if you were to swear by the Lord's name, you had to keep that promise. But if you swore by your brother's name, or if you swore by your cousin, or as in some Jews of the day, I swear by my beard, because you can always shave that off, you could break that oath. So, even in that long time ago, there was a way that the rabbis were writing for the people of the day to be able to basically degrade the system of oaths to where a person could lie and get away with it. I don't think our culture is much different today. Oaths are casually broken. Truth is relevant. We had this discussion this week in, in my office about what is truth. Or if I can define it, I'm always truthful. Because in our society, it's what I want that rules the day. No matter what oath you've taken or no matter what the real truth is. Because we follow our own desires and that often comes into conflict with what truth and reality really is. James says, above all my brothers. It is that opening statement, some commentators, and that's the direction I'm going to look at this uh, short letter named James. He is finally saying, I'm coming to a conclusion. Above all my brothers, and he gives us three things to think about having to do something with the spoken word, having to do with our speech. And the first one, and the only one we'll take today, we'll take the second two, the last few verses of James next week. This one he says, speak truthfully. So let's begin with, heroes speak truth. Each one of the dads today got a candy bar. If you didn't get your candy bar, in fact, thank you, whoever left me one here on. And if I get really hungry during the sermon, I'll break it out. But uh, thank you for that note. Happy Father's Day. Um, because if you're a dad... You're our superhero status. You really are. Now, your superhero status may, may wane at different times by their children's ages. But when I see this second row here, he's gone back. He may not have been super dad when you were 16, right? He might have been super pain in my you-know-what. Yeah, because he's holding me accountable. He's making my yes be yes and my no be no. But by the time you get a little older and you get a little, children of your own or you've seen a little bit of life, same thing sitting right there beside you. There was probably a day Allison was, and I didn't even mean to go this direction, but I will. There was probably a time Allison didn't do everything Allison was supposed to do. And he wasn't super dad at that point. He was bad dad. But now you have children. He was super dad. And those of you who have kids know what it's like. In fact, somewhere in my mom's basement in a box of my childhood stuff, you know, crafts and stuff that probably was on the refrigerator when that was popular when I was a kid, is a small poem or paragraph that I wrote about my dad being my hero. Dads are heroes. 
But heroes can also be moms. Heroes can be siblings. Heroes can be uncles and aunts. They can be Sunday school teachers. They can be cousins. They can be all types of people. Because when a child is young, their heroes often morph from dinosaurs to Disney characters to sports heroes to rock stars to movie stars to maybe politicians. I, I don't know. But Homer Hickam is one of my heroes, and it's one of my favorite movies that I'm going to show you two segments on today. Homer uh, Hickam was from West Virginia, and if you've ever seen the movie October Sky, I highly recommend it. It is an anagram of his book, Rocket Boys. Now go home and look up what an anagram is, but I had to look it up and make sure I knew I was using the word correctly, which I often do. You know, I have this collection of things in my head, but sometimes they don't come out. Is that a sign of senility? Who are you? What church is this? Yes, okay. Yeah, it, but it's an anagram of his book that he wrote, basically kind of an autobiography of his life in, as a coal miner's son whose dad did not like the idea that his eyes were in the sky wanting to... Uh, learn to do things with rockets. In fact, he would later go on, if, if you know anything about the man, about this book and his story. He, he was a lieutenant in Vietnam as an engineer. He came out and went to NASA, worked for NASA and retired from NASA. And he continues to, to be a, a writer even to this day. Um, but in this scene, you're going to get ready to see. You've got to understand, here's a dad that the only way of life in this little West Virginia town was the coal mine. And your boy has been old enough to work in the coal mine. And he's worked once or twice in the coal mine and done a pretty good job because dad's taught him right. But this whole idea of rocket science inspired by his teacher that whom he has this great profound respect for. And at one time, obviously, she's been a hero figure to him. She has challenged him and he has used his mathematical skills to learn something about rocketry. In fact, so much so they won a state competition. And this is a true story. And now he's come to his dad to talk to him about the last rocket they're going to launch. And if you know this story, you've seen the movie, there was actually a fire at one time. They, they thought it was one of his rockets that had landed in a field. It was not. And they used geometry to prove that it was not his rocket that could have landed there and stopped, started the fire. So a wonderful thing that the entire town has got a hold of. But watch this little quote about heroes. You let me out. This is Homer and his mother. And I can't think of the year of the car. Somebody will tell me it's probably about a 50, 49. What are you doing charging over for that, that kind of a pump? Uh, yeah, Homer, something up here. Hey, Dick. Hey, Homer, I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate what you did for me. I know it wasn't easy for you, so thank you. We're shooting off our last rocket day at 5 o'clock, so if you'd like to come see it. I got a lot of work to do. All right. Well, I just thought I'd ask. Here you met your big hero. Didn't even know it. I know you and me don't exactly see eye to eye on certain things. I mean, yeah, we don't see eye to eye on just about anything. But Dad, I come to believe that I got it in me to be somebody in this world. 
And, and it's not because I'm so different from you either. It's because I'm the same. I mean, I can be just as hard-headed and just as tough. I only hope I can be as good a man as you are. I mean, sure, Dr. Von Braun's a great scientist, but he isn't my hero. Who's your hero today? Because heroes speak the truth. Dads, I challenge you to always speak the truth. Because your children expect it. Your children deserve it. And what's more, your children will always think that you're speaking the truth. At least till they get a little bit older and maybe challenge you at some level. Ask my kids how they think guacamole is made. I would tell them that of some old man in the back of the restaurant chewing up avocados, spitting it into a bowl. And for the longest time, they wouldn't sample it because some old man was chewing up avocados, spitting it in a bowl. James's radical call to speak truth in a deceptive world is like a life preserver that is thrown out to you and I who are trying to swim through an ocean of lies. Because that's what our world is like. Watch TV any day and look at any commercial. And if I drink the right beer or buy the right thing, the girls will flock after me. Because that's what the TV says. And if they like, my wife is shaking her head. I've gotten in trouble again. Well, I don't drink anyway, so there you go. Um, doesn't work. <laughs> I've tried it. It didn't help. James is saying, here is a life preserver, guys. Speak the truth. Say yes. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. There's a great need in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community, and even in our churches, to speak with honesty, to speak truth, to have integrity. Helmet Telic or Telic is a um, German a Protestant uh, theologian from the World War II era. He's already passed, but one of his quotes that I read this week and I love it. He says, "The avoidance of a small fib may be a stronger confession of faith than an entire Christian philosophy argued and linked to another." In other words, basically. You not telling a fib may do more than reciting tons of Christian theology to someone because they will see in you that you have chosen to speak the truth, avoiding a small fib. Came across another book this week, um, To Own a Dragon by uh, John, John's last name, uh, 
is John McMurray, who I knew, and Donald Miller. Uh, both uh, have affiliations with Navigator Press. Uh, McMurray, um, in fact, I told my wife about it just this morning. We want to see if we can find one of his books. Not only has he been a Bible teacher, he's a photographer, and he has some of those books that you put on your coffee table that have nice pictures he's taken with some kind of scripture verse. So I thought, although we don't have a coffee table that displays books, but that might be one fun one to have in, in my office, perhaps. But um, he... Don Miller wrote this book because McMurray had taken him into his home. He was fatherless, and for about four years, John allowed uh, Don to live with him. And he said one day he came home, uh, and John said, Hey, uh, you got a new cell phone there, I see. He said, Oh, yeah. He said, I broke the screen on the other one. And how many of you have ever done that, right? And uh, he said, and besides that, it had a little glitch in it. It wasn't working right. And uh, he said, I went to the, the cell phone place, and their computers were down that particular time. And the guy said, how long have you owned it? And Don knew that he had owned it for over a year, but he told, I don't know, maybe about a year. And the guy said, what, you really think you've had it less than a year? He goes, oh, yeah, probably. So he said, they replaced it for free. I got a, I got a brand new phone because it was still underneath warranty. So John looked at him and said, have you ever seen, so I love an illustration within, within an illustration. He said, have you ever seen the movie Family Man, which, of course, my kids and I have seen with Nicolas Cage, where due to some mystical thing, he imagines his life as if he had done, made some different decisions. And in that movie, one time he appears or he goes into a convenience store, and one of the other lead characters in the movie is, uh, is kind of like his little, I don't know, angel-like that, that keeps uh, challenging him with uh, thoughts about being a good family man. And he is the cashier. And a girl comes in to buy a drink and gives the, the cashier a dollar. And he gives her change from the dollar and nine dollars, a five and four ones, as if she had given him a $10 bill. And he says, John says that to Don, have you seen that movie? He goes, oh yeah. He said, and she walks out with nine dollars. He said, yeah, the cost of her soul was nine dollars. And he said, I looked at John and I said, so you mean this phone has cost me my soul? He said, well, I'm just telling you that's the same thing. You have allowed yourself to be compromised. You've compromised your values, what yes is yes. And, and he said, okay. So he went back the next day, confessed that it was beyond a year that he'd owned the phone. And he said, let me tell you, it cost me more than $9 for that new phone. But he said, I had restored my soul in some way. So heroes speak the truth. And finally... Heroes launch out in truth. Launch out in truth. Before every NASA takeoff, you hear what? Ten. What's the next number? I've already got signal. Nine. Eight. There you go. You go all the way down. Eventually you have one, and what happens after that? Blast off. Yeah. Or, yeah. T minus. Okay. Did you know that the actual verbal spoken times begin at six hours prior to? To take off. I'm like, why is somebody sitting there going five hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds? I don't know why you would do that, but yeah, that's the way they begin, at least according to the interwebs when you look that up. But how do we launch out in truth? It, because it should be more than just once a day when you launch out. It, it should be every day. It should be 24 hours a day, or at least when you're awake. It, it should be every minute of every hour. It should be every second of every hour. That you let truth always launch out from you. So here are some practical ways that I, I came up with. And there, most of them are semi-original. A couple got me started thinking. But, uh, and you don't have to do blast off. But number 10. 
Be careful what you say. If it's not true, correct yourself. I mean, how many times you've gotten yourself in a worse situation because you did not restore back, didn't reset, and hit what was true. You let the lie keep going. Number nine, remember, we will give an account for our words and our deeds. Scripture tells us that. You will give an account for yourself. Number eight, something that I don't do enough, embrace silence. Sometimes just be quiet. Because you know when you open your mouth, you're going to go off on a tangent and probably be tempted not to launch out in truth. Number seven, go offline. And that doesn't necessarily mean stay away from your phone or social media. It means go away. When you go offline, if you're doing it in military terminology, you're basically not going to let this for everybody else to hear. So you're going to go offline and think about what you were about to say and maybe check it out to see if this is what I should say. Number six, be honest with yourself. Be honest to yourself. Number five, stay accountable to someone. We have discipleship groups in our church. It's great to have someone you can be accountable to that will say, Cliff, did you do that this week or have you not done that? And if you have not been a part of a discipleship group, see Pierce or myself or Dan, and we would love to get you partnered up with someone. Number four, feed on the Word of God. If you want to be able to speak truth, read the truth. And these final three blast-off points are just Scripture that I want to give to you. Number three, Ephesus, Ephesus, Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. By speaking the truth in love. Psalm 15, verse 2. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness speaks truth in his heart. And finally, number one, Proverbs 8, 7. For my mouth will utter truth. Launch out in truth. And now we come to this last clip from that same movie because it uh, made me cry and I watched it like three times. So now I'll be stoic and I'll just watch you cry. But... Finally, Homer has got his dad, and, and in the movie, his dad's called John, but in real life, you know, because I wanted to see how much of it really was true. It's actually very accurate, and Homer was actually an advisor to the movie, so that's pretty cool. He said, but why they named my dad John, I don't know, because I am Homer Hickam Jr. My dad's name is Homer, but anyway, his dad shows up. Well, I, I, I spoiled some of it, so here you go. Hey, everybody, can we have your attention, please? Come on, Homer, let her fly. <laughs> We're going to launch Rocket in a minute, but we'd like to say thank you first. If it wasn't for y'all, we'd never gotten into any science fair. We'd probably never gotten fans blown up my mom's fence. <laughs> <laughs> but we did, because of your help and support. And this is for Colwood. few people who believed in us even before we did. We like to dedicate this rocket to them. To Ike Bukowski. To Mr. Boland who helped us so much. To the person who first inspired us. Our teacher, Miss Riley. And finally, I'd like to dedicate this rocket to my mom and to 
that. Won't fly unless somebody pushes the button. It's yours if you want it. Breaking out the Kleenexes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, hopefully that tests your heart. Uh, because we are, to, we are heroes. Whether you're mama or daddy, or you don't have to be a, a parent. You can be the uncle, the aunt, the cousin, the, the next door neighbor, the friend. And, and people look for truth in you. So James has said, live truthful lives. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll have a time of invitation. And if you've never asked Christ Jesus into your heart, if you've never experienced that which will challenge you, beckon you to be truthful, I invite you to accept Christ as your Savior this very moment. And if you're here and you just want to come to our steps and kneel and pray, we'll have somebody come and pray with you. It would be our honor to do that. Let's live as heroes in this world in which we live, sharing the truth of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to a time of invitation in this service, if there's someone who's never come to know you, I pray that they wouldn't leave this place without making a decision to follow your son Jesus. For it's only through Christ Jesus, only through our faith in him, will we have everlasting life in paradise with you and that same faith will allow us to navigate and to be resilient in this world in which we live oh yeah we'll still have problems there'll be days the rocket won't go off or might even explode and blow up mom's fence but lord because of our faith in you you will establish the ground upon our feet and we can be able to walk once again hand in hand with you so we're asked for forgiveness we ask for your people to respond to your Holy Spirit, for I ask it all in Jesus' name.